Hey, Kansas City. You're listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman, a weekly podcast from KCUR Studios. On this episode, the new rules for dining out in Kansas City, as told to me by the people who know best, your friendly neighborhood servers and bartenders. One chilly weeknight in October, in a rare break with routine, I went out for dinner and drinks with a friend. She'd just gotten a flurry of great news that called for celebration. I grabbed a table on the stately patio at Exwa, and my friend soon appeared in a sparkly sequined blazer. We ordered drinks, bubbly for her, red wine for me, then launched into a major catching-up session. Although we had texted each other a lot over the pandemic— We hadn't actually hung out, and it turned out we had a lot to say. The evening flew by. We talked over salads, main courses, a shared order of frit. But suddenly, everything seemed a little too quiet, and looking around, we noticed, much to our horror, that we were the only customers left. We'd been there for two and a half hours. We had just broken two cardinal rules for dining out. Don't bogart that table free it up for the next party, and whatever you do, don't dilly-dally past closing time. A restaurant is a business, after all. Workers should be able to clock out and go home. We screwed up, but it could happen to you, too. Part of that is, we could all probably use a little more practice at how to behave in public in general, but it's more than that. The restaurant industry has changed. So, too, theoretically, has our understanding of it. The pandemic revealed that people working in restaurants often endure punishing hours and difficult conditions without anything resembling a safety net in times of crisis. It also revealed the real value of restaurant culture in our lives. When we didn't have these places to be taken care of for a couple hours, to break bread with friends, to celebrate life occasions, we felt that absence. There's something we get at restaurants that can't be fulfilled, simply by pulling up to a curb, popping open the trunk, and driving off with dinner. Remember that? It was weird. Surely we want to come out of this whole crazy experience a little bit better for it, and that includes being kick-ass customers when we go out. So I decided to investigate what good restaurant etiquette looks like right now in Kansas City. Do restaurant workers and customers have a shared understanding of the new norms? To find out, I talked to servers and bartenders about what's changed and what still needs to change. And just so you know, everyone I talked to wanted first and foremost to show Kansas Cityans a good time when they go out. They all expressed so much love for their customers, especially regular customers. The rules I gleaned from those conversations are ones I know I'll have to practice for a while, but I think it's worth it. Here we go. Rule one, make reservations, keep them, and don't stay too long. You've probably heard that restaurants are short-staffed. Making a reservation doesn't just guarantee you'll be seated pretty promptly, it also allows restaurant managers to appropriately schedule servers and kitchen staff. An unforeseeably busy night can result in delays and 86th menu items, which in turn frustrates customers. Reservations are a win-win, paving the way for good times all around. But do not be a no-show. When a restaurant holds your table and you don't show up, they have to turn away paying customers who might have liked to dine there, 
And if it cuts into business too much, workers might even get sent home. As for how long to stay, restaurant workers want you to relax, they want you to enjoy your meal, but they also determine when tables will be available for later reservations using a simple calculation. Cassie Niemeyer, who works at an upscale restaurant in Prairie Village, let me in on what that is. Most of the finer dining restaurants I've worked at, we would base our reservation system on an hour and a half for two people, two hours for three to four people, bigger parties. It's kind of, yeah, two and a half hours. Good to know, right? If your table isn't ready when you arrive for your reservation, the likely reason is someone else has not moved along in a timely manner. So be patient with your wait staff. They're trying. Rule number two, learn the establishment's mask rules before heading out and follow them without having to be told. It's not fun to catch people breaking rules, especially when your livelihood relies on tips from the very people you're having to confront. In Kansas City, Missouri, masks are required except when you're seated and actively eating. Even you're like, I'm vaccinated and I had COVID and I got a booster or whatever, they don't know. So just, it's so easy. This applies to bars as well. At Mini Bar in Westport, there's one set of rules for the music venue upstairs, where proof of vaccination is required, and another for getting drinks and snacks downstairs with the general population. Bartender Ryan Miller says that monitoring that whole situation can get overwhelming. There was a moment when it was, you know, 2.30 in the morning and the whole room wasn't wearing a mask and it was crowded standing together like okay we need to rethink what we're doing here ryan says the venue put up more signage and staff got firmer about issuing reminders but most service industry folks seem to agree it would create a better environment if customers just took the initiative on following covid protocols remember the whole point is keeping you safe from a deadly virus and keeping these businesses open in a pandemic rule three don't ask servers to remove their masks. This one seems just self-explanatory, but in case it's not. One of the awkward things about dining out right now is that when you take off your mask, your server doesn't. This is true across the board in Kansas City, Missouri, and varies case by case in surrounding municipalities. It's hard to hear people through their masks. Everyone knows that. It can be super frustrating. But if your server is wearing a mask, they are most likely required to do so. And even if they're doing it by choice for their own protection, that should really be respected. Bars get very loud to begin with. Not being able to read lips on top of that makes it so hard to take orders that some establishments have acquired dry erase boards for bartenders and customers to pass back and forth. That helps. But in restaurants, with your servers, Cassie Niemeyer has a request. Be patient. They have to scream at the top of their lungs to everybody through their masks. So hang in there. Rule number four, don't corner your server or bartender into talking politics. Jessie Palmerin has been working at Rudy's Tanampa Taqueria since she was a kid. Her grandparents opened the Westport restaurant and neighborhood watering hole in 1993. She worked the host's desk and cleared tables before graduating to serving and bartending. In other words, she is very comfortable at her place of work. Nonetheless, 
Talking politics throws her off her game, especially now. It's like walking on eggshells because I'm just like, I feel like I'm, I don't want to say anything to make them upset. I don't want to say anything that would like encourage them to be like, go online and, you know, talk about, oh my God, the bartender at Rudy's, did you hear what she said? Jessie learned her lesson after making small talk with a bar customer who was sitting alone. A tennis match was on the TV over the bar, and Jessie thought it would be safe to mention a documentary she'd seen about one of the players, but the guest quickly changed the subject to a documentary she'd seen about Anthony Fauci. I've had to learn how to really play the fence. (laughs) Rule number five, tip well. That means at least 20%. It used to be standard to give 15% tips on every dining bill. Now the baseline is 20%, and that's just the start. Cassie Niemeyer explains it like this. If you like talk to somebody a lot and they give you great recommendations, or maybe you got a little something extra, or maybe you got a special drink that the bartender, you know, whipped up for you, like then 20% becomes like, oh, just fine, mm-hmm. just adequate. Everyone I talked to agreed there's definitely nothing wrong with a 20% tip. But they urge customers to acknowledge extra time and exceptional service with a tip closer to 25%. I know people maybe are tipping a little bit more, too, because it's just like, working in restaurants is not like the safest job. You're around, if you're at a busy restaurant, maybe a thousand people a week with their mouths <laughs> unmasked and breathing and chatting and eating. Earlier in the pandemic, many customers tipped for to-go food just as much as they would have tipped in the dining room. For the most part, customers have returned to tipping less for carryout, but don't skip the tip on carryout altogether. Someone has taken time away from their tables in the dining room to answer your questions over the phone or to pack up your meal. Tip for that. Speaking of takeout, come get your food on time. Chrissy Newcomb, who cooks at Sava in Westport, says it bums out kitchen staff to work hard to make a great meal and have it ready for you when you arrive, only to watch condensation accumulating on your neglected container. And remember, tipping well does not buy customers the right to ignore any other basic courtesies. Regardless of tip amount, Jesse Palmerin says all interactions should come back to a mutual respect between the server and the patron. You know, I'm going to provide you service respectfully and do my job. And I expect that you give me the respect that I deserve since I'm doing that for you. Rule number six, comfort levels vary. Err on the side of compassion for more cautious restaurant goers. So here's a scenario that comes out a lot. You're out to eat, You're sitting at your own table, and then you see someone you know get seated nearby at another table. And so you get up and maybe like you forget your mask and you're over there talking to your friends and you're standing above their table, catching up. But then the table next to you, like, or next to those people, they're like, ah, all of a sudden there's four more people in my vicinity. Chrissy Newcomb over at Sava has actually seen people physically recoil or hold up napkins to put space between themselves and other patrons who have gotten a little close. She says that it's important to get comfortable vocalizing your preference. So if you want six feet or you aren't ready for hugs, tell people. And if someone tells you that, respect it. 
In conclusion, the restaurant industry is still in recovery. If you haven't seen your server in a while, she might be washing her hands, something she's doing constantly because she's handling lots of people's dishes in a pandemic. If your food is taking longer than expected, the kitchen might be short-staffed. The people serving you are doing their best, so relax. Just know that everything is on the way. And yeah, going to restaurants and bars has changed. Ultimately, there's no such thing as a comprehensive playbook that covers every new scenario you might encounter. So when in doubt, be kind. Act from a place of respect. Don't forget how it felt not to have these places. And remember that the people filling your water and bringing out beautiful plates of food you didn't cook, then whisking them away the second you're done, they've been through hard times just like you. Which is why my final piece of advice is, say thank you. That's it. Thanks for listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman, a weekly podcast from KCUR Studios. It's produced by Mackenzie Martin based on a column I write for KCUR.org. The column is edited by Gabe Rosenberg. You can subscribe to Real Humans wherever you get your podcasts, and you can keep this conversation about restaurant etiquette going on Twitter. I'm at Gina KCUR. Catch you next week.